0: This week's podcast brought to you by Lilies. We thought this was going to be a week off from the podcast because Steve is in Minnesota and I am not in Minnesota. But Denny with one N, our esteemed producer, had the great idea that while I was after a Connecticut Sun game scheduled to have a sit-down conversation with Christine Lilly, that we should record it and make it a podcast. And Christine Lilly is a remarkable athlete from Wilton, Connecticut. She played on the U.S. soccer national team for 23 years, played in five World Cups, played in three Olympics, has two gold medals, just an absolutely remarkable athlete. And it was a lot of fun to sit down with her and talk about her World Cups, including the one in 1999. And of course, the World Cup this year, 2019. Thank you to Christine Lilly, and we hope you enjoy the conversation with her.
1: Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn up bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back Day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane
0: Well, I want to welcome Christine Lilly who is a native nutmegger First Connecticut Sun game? Yes all right. Well, you brought them luck, I, and I'm, you,
2: I'm coming back.
0: It was a great, it was a great game for TV. So thank you so much for that, Christine Lilly. Five World Cup appearances. Yeah. Three Olympics, mm-hmm. two Olympic gold medals, 23 years on the U.S. Women's National Team. How do you, do, how does one do that?
2: Ah, uh, um, thank you. Well, I think you know when we we were playing. When we were, our careers paralleled each other pretty much, and. We're part of the time where we're just breaking through you know in basketball and soccer just girls are doing it and we just love what we did i loved what i was doing i wanted to win i wanted to be the best in the world i wanted to compete and then suddenly we just started to make way and give young girls more opportunities and uh, when you start doing that kind of work you just feel like you still got to do it as long as you can and fortunate i was healthy throughout my career um, and now i'm a little bit tired but <laughs> it's okay I can rest now uh, but it was just a lot of fun and I wor- I worked my tail off just to be on that field and I uh, had some great women to do it with on the field work hard together
0: so I think it's something that's a really important question especially for me to ask here right now you played at the University of North Carolina mm-hmm. for national championships while you were there you're from Connecticut oh. during the women's basketball season the college women's basketball season Who's your team?
2: Who's my team? Who's your team? UConn, of course.
0: (laughs) If I was asking you these questions in Chapel Hill, what would you answer? It might be different.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But my husband went to UConn, so I do have a soft spot. And you did as well. So I support my girl.
0: Now. our careers did parallel um, uh, each other's you know when you won the World Cup in 1999 the WNBA had just started but one of the things that I thought really interesting when I was reading your bio so your older daughter your oldest daughter Sydney is here yes so true she was born on your birthday in 2008
2: it was Sydney was born on my birthday Um. now
0: my son was born in 2008 on my birthday. No way. So I wanna know. Hold if, on,
2: when's your birthday? What's
0: that? When's your birthday? October 6th. Oh, okay. <laughs> so this is my question. Yeah. Have you had your own birthday cake since she was born? Because I certainly haven't. I've been eating like Darth Vader cakes and Star Wars cakes and whatever. Like, yes. How do you guys work it in your family? Well,
2: this year we got a big water slide for my birthday, <laughs> for her <laughs> birthday. <laughs> we, um, I like to say that I am turning 11. Along with my daughter. Whatever she's turning is what I'm turning. That's what we start doing. But I haven't had a birthday since. No. Right. right. But it's okay, right, Sid? Yeah. She, You're she's right fine with that. that.
0: <laughs> um, so, getting back to the, the topic at hand, which is uh, women's sports yes. and your role in women's sports. Uh, 20 years ago uh, was when you, you, your team galvanized the nation in 1999 with the World Cup victory. Similar thing happened this summer right. with the women's national team. Um, what were your thoughts on? Yeah, what were your thoughts on what they were doing, and in some ways, how it was similar to what right. your team did in terms of the the energy and enthusiasm, not only around women's sports but around women that it led to.
2: Yeah, well, I think the the times right now for women's sports is was is totally different than twenty years ago, and I think nineteen ninety nine when we won, I think kind of springboard that to fast forward to where we are now. And I remember winning in 99 and I was like, oh my gosh, we're world champions. But then what happened that summer too, after after the, the World Cup was over, we'd go around and we'd hear all these stories. You know, like, oh, I was sitting at the airport getting ready to get on my plane, and I couldn't board because we were watching you guys go to PKs. Or my younger daughter wants to play soccer. Or this woman that's 40 years old, like I just joined an over 40 league. So things started to change. Women started to get into soccer, get into other sports. And now if you fast forward 20 years, we're not talking about them playing the sports anymore. Now we're talking about how we're changing it. More equal pay, not just the pay, but just the support. You know, women, we want more respect. We want it to be, if a guy, uh, a female soccer player and a male soccer player walked into the room, we want the equal respect. You know, they want the guys to get treated this way and the girls get treated that way. So I think that's where we are in society and society's ready for it. You know, we're ready for this, the women to be here and, and be seen. And I think that's due to not only what we did in 1999, but I was talking earlier about the 1996 Olympics that was the Olympics where women's soccer, women's basketball, women's track and field, synchronized swimming, uh, gymnastics, all these women were dominating, winning gold medals. And kind of that was the first springboard. And I think 99 kept it going. And obviously now, with the women winning back to back World Cups, which is very difficult, uh, was so awesome.
0: Where were you and who were you with when you were watching the. Uh the championship game.
2: Um, I was very fortunate. I was in France. My daughter was there, not right next to me, but over a little bit. Um, I was with uh, Carla Overbeck who was our captain. Cindy Parlow played on the '99 team. Julie Foudy was taking notes for her work that she was doing for ESPN. Um, and then our kids were with us, and we were, you know, at the game live. And I've only seen, I think, four World Cup games. One of them was the men' final '98. These two semifinals and final and then another game in 2011. So to be a fan now and to see the women and see how happy they were. I mean, we've been in positions where winning, and you know how it feels, but then just to see the happiness in their face and how hard they trained for that it was really priceless. It was really enjoyable to be now a big fan of theirs.
0: Were you aware at the time, I mean, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, is that you can't have perspective until you get old enough to be able to look back on something. Were you aware that there was something special happening in 1999 and how do you see what you did then now that you have that space and have that perspective?
2: Uh, yeah, that's just, that's just a great... Um question. I think a lot of us don't realize the impact we have at the time. I think we look back and realize the bigger impact we've had. And I think after having kids really puts it into more perspective for me. Because now when I see my daughters looking at the current team, they could care less about me. <laughs> Megan Rapino, Tobin Heath, those are the players they love. And to see them look at those players, and then I realize, I'm like, you know what? 20 years ago, we were getting looked like at that from young people. And I just think if we remember that every time we're around people or doing something, we make an impact. You guys make an impact on people, and you don't realize it. And I think athletes have that stage to do that constantly. And if it's a positive impact, you're making a difference in someone's life. It's so incredible. And I think our group in 99 realized what we were doing and to know that we were part of that progression um, of changing people's views on women's soccer specifically and uh, making a difference is pretty awesome.
0: I remember early on when the WNBA started and being at a game and you'd see kids with your jersey on. And I remember how it really struck me the first time I saw a little boy with my jersey on because I'm like, oh, this little boy might grow up a little bit differently than boys before this league existed. But nothing struck me more than when my own daughters wanted a Brianna Stewart jersey or got a chance to high five her at a game and just seeing the world in a completely different way as the parent and the parent of daughters. Um, so awesome for what women's soccer has done and for the WNBA as well. Um, Incredible. I also think like when I look at, I played in those 96 Olympics yeah. as well and, and part of the reason they were so important, not only were the women's success, but they were in Atlanta. So yeah. they were in this country for a lot of people to see. And other than getting the medal around my neck, my strongest memory from the gold medal day was drinking champagne that night with my teammates. Like, what's your strongest memory from your gold medal games or from your World Cup championships? Like, what do you think of when those things are brought up?
2: Well, I think uh, the Olympics, I think, is a little bit different than the World Cup because I think as a young kid, you always watch the Olympics and you always wanted to be on the podium and hear your national anthem. So I remember in 96, because that was also the first time women's soccer was in the Olympics. So That was the first Olympics ever for soccer. And I remember just standing on the podium with my teammates and friends and just looking, uh, you know, like this. And I'm like, we did it, you know. Uh, we won the first goal of the women's soccer, and we did our childhood dream. I mean, to be a gold medalist. Um, so I think just the moments with your teammates is really what you remember. And it's not necessarily on the field. You know, when we get together now, we don't talk about like, oh, you remember that game when you missed the goal, Mia? <laughs> if she ever missed a goal, who knows? Um, but it's like, oh, you remember the locker room when we did this, or, you know, it's those things. So that's the stuff I remember. And I think the the World Cup, it too, it's, it's the celebrations after, but in, intimately with your teammates and where you can take a breath and be like, all that hard work, look what we did. And that's when you really appreciate and kind of pat yourselves on the back a little bit. And we're sort of lucky in that, um, whereas now the Women's
0: World Cup celebration was all over a bunch of different Instagram and oh, Twitter yeah. feeds.
2: Nah, I Our kids that.
0: don't have any idea. <laughs> they have no uh, visual proof of what we were doing no. after those championships. No. And um, you talk about some of those things. One of the most iconic images of the '99 yeah. World Cup was Brandy Chastain, yeah. shirtless, you yeah. know, sliding on her knees with the bra. My question: What's the better celebration, that or the Rapino pose?
2: <laughs> Brandy, um, <laughs> well, I think you know. Why I think Brandy stands out to me so much differently because it was a moment. Like, we were all just watching her take this penalty kick. Megan Rapinoe had so many. I mean, she had two PKs in that game for the to the win, and then the game gone on. But Brandy's moment... Um, I mean, it was suspenseful. We're waiting. I'm like, oh my gosh, please, Brandy, score this! And I can just see it. And the greatest thing for us, we were at the mid stripe, so Brandy's getting ready to take it. And once she kicked it, and before it even passed the the goal line, we knew it was in just by the angle. So we we're like, oh my god, yes! And I mean, I didn't even realize she took her shirt off until I saw the pictures. <laughs> and they're like, did you plan that? I'm like, yeah. Brandy thought, okay, when I score, I'm gonna take my shirt off and clench my fist, make these huge. Muscles and be the happiest person ever now but it's such if you see the image of her it, it's just so powerful and happy and the the joy that picture brings and strength it brings i think kind of epitomizes what w- women we've gone through and where we continue want to go
0: it hits home to me too because you know your daughter is here there wasn't professional women's soccer when you were a kid coming up. When did you kind of realize I can do this? Not only just for a college scholarship, but I can make a living at this. That I can
2: continue to play um, long after that. Uh, I think it was after '99. <laughs> to be honest with you, I mean, in the early, I was on the team in '87 and graduated college in '93. So we weren't getting paid. And then when I graduated in 93, I got an endorsement deal by Adidas where I got my first paycheck. And I was like, oh my, this is great. Um, so then I was like, well, maybe I can do this. Still living out of my dad's house. <laughs> but uh, maybe I could do this. And then I think 99 kind of changed things and more businesses started to partner up with female athletes. And that was after 96 after too, the Olympics. And that's when we're like, you know what? We have World Cup Olympics that we can keep training for. And if, we have, if I have the stamina and dedication to my training i could do this and i you know i did and i'm very fortunate for the time i had on the team and just blessed that i got to play with some amazing amazing women
0: talk about some of the business aspect of the sport um i've read at least that you're part of a group that is thinking about or looking into bringing a professional women's soccer team here to connecticut yeah you know what is that process where are you in that process how active are you in that
2: um well I'm, I'm part of the, the, the group that is doing the grunt work um, but it's it's been a it's been a little bit of process the the growth of the NWSL is it's not too quick because we can't expand too quickly and then also the process of you know um, expanding the expansion teams there's a couple different areas that are interested, so I think they're trying to figure out the best areas to keep adding um, to the pro league. So we're hoping that um, our proposal and getting um, groups lined up to uh, put in for a request uh, goes well. But it's not an easy process, and it's not going to be for next year because we're you know it's already a year, a year out for that. Um, but hopefully maybe 21. But we're we're still working to try to make it happen.
0: It's a lot of. Uh Youth interest, especially for girls soccer here in the state of Connecticut. So it seems like something that would just be a natural um, if they can make it work business-wise. Yeah, I mean
2: it will, and and it's and. The, the big part is the business side so it's got to be the dollars the deep pockets that can help make it happen and then the bigger picture is the fans i mean tonight this attendance here was awesome the game was incredible i mean the product on the courts incredible the product on the soccer field's great it's a continuous support from the fans you know it's um, the media that help continue to make it grow that it's always in people's eyesight cuz once you you're not in the paper like the world cup's done and you know i haven't heard anything about women's soccer much you know cuz the world cup's kind of dying. we have to keep it Alive, um, all the women's sports alive when we're in season out of season to keep it fresh in people's minds is because there's so many other sports We're competing with
0: Now you uh, run camps and you do a lot in terms of coaching youth soccer. You have a chance to coach your daughters as well um, What has your experience? This is one of my favorite things to talk about What has your experience been like dealing with all the crazy parents of youth athletes these days?
2: Oh, the parents are wonderful <laughs> That's not myself. what she was telling me earlier <laughs> you know it's tough it is tough and i think in the nature of youth sports right now it's the parents that are getting away the kids and we got to remember it's about the kids it's not about how you feel it's about how the kids feel on the soccer field and if we can keep reminding ourselves to let the kids play let them enjoy themselves um they'll be in good shape Because kids, the game's over, they want ice cream or they want to go play with a friend. They don't remember the shot that they missed or they don't remember anything because they're kids. You know, they're out there playing and doing their best. So I think as parents, if we can kind of step back and zip it on the sidelines, (laughs) everyone will be happier. And
0: I'm sure you've never had a parent second guess your coaching strategy.
2: Oh No, not at all. I know everything, right? <laughs> There's all everyone everyone's got. I mean, the well the great thing about that is some of the parents that are making comments did play. Uh-huh. So now we're in a generation that parents now that are coaching played the game, so they have some some knowledge. But I think if you want to coach, if you want to say things, then you got to coach. Otherwise, you got to let the coach take care of your kids that are out there and let them be the ones teaching.
0: And we were talking about it earlier how important it is for moms to be willing to be coaches too because still so many times even if it's uh for a daughter it's the dads who are stepping up to be the coach on the sideline and i I see that um and i love it because sometimes when i'm coaching my son and i'm the only women's coach in this little youth league and some of the parents are looking over the kids are looking over but my boys see it as a normal thing and i think that's an important um, an important thing. So if you end up having a son along the way then you can coach. (laughs) My daughter does want an older brother, but (laughs) sorry, (laughs) Sid. So two gold medals. Some people keep their medals in an interesting place. Where are yours?
2: Mine are in my drawer. Where's yours? (laughs) In my drawer? (laughs) (laughs) My desk
0: which drawer is the question. I
2: have two in my underwear drawer. And the silver, we just shove somewhere. No, I don't know. <laughs> They're in my soccer, sock drawer or t-shirt drawer. say, you have a
0: soccer drawer? No, my That's how, she, 23 years on the national team, she has a drawer for her no, soccer awards.
2: my socks. No, but I, it's funny, people tend to ask me, and then I was like, well, you put them out, and then you're worried about them, and then if you wear them, everyone's like, oh, I'm bragging about your medals, right? you know, like, you can't what, win. what are you supposed to do? <laughs> Now, when you win a World Cup, what do you get?
0: Do you get a medal for that? What is the...
2: We, we do get a small medal, but the trophy is kind of the big thing that the, the girls raise at the end. Um, but we do get a small medal, and I do, I have those uh, in a trophy case. So that's kind of nice.
0: That's not in your drawer. Your little that's, medal yeah. from
2: well, the they're World like, Cup? They're like this big. It's oh, on display,
0: oh, but your gold medal is in your drawer.
2: <laughs> I know. Your gold medals. Huh?
0: Your gold medals yes. are in your drawer. Are
2: in the drawer. Should we bring them out? Yes. I I wish I bring them. I should have brought them here.
0: On occasion.
2: On occasion. See, but do you bring yours out very often? Sydney,
0: have you had a chance to wear your mother's gold medals? Did you have to get them out of the drawer yourself, or did she get them out for you? She got them (laughs) out
1: for you.
2: But see, so next year is Olympic year. So when I run camps, I bring them out, bring them to camps for the kids. So that's nice. Have you gotten medals playing any sports? They get second place trophies. What's up with you that? You won't put hers
0: in the drawer, though. No, the participation cool
2: trophies. What is up with participation trophies? What is up with participation I don't trophies? Know. How
0: cool would it be if she, she won a medal for you know, a championship in soccer and she came home and said, eh, and put it in her drawer?
2: I would love it. I think that would be so cool. <laughs>
0: she thinks it would be funny, too. <laughs> Now you are here, you were signing your book earlier. You yes. got a new book out, um, Powerhouse. Mm-hmm. What story are you trying to share? What message are you trying yeah. to send through your book?
2: Well, through the Powerhouse, it's about teamwork. And basically, I co-authored it with John and Lynette Gillis. And they are two friends we met when I lived in Austin, te- Texas. And we were talking about the success of the US Women's National Team. And then he's in the business world, and she's in um, acad- academics. And how people don't work together as much in the business world. When you talk about team stuff, they're always like, ah, you know, working together as a team in the business world is not seen as um, something that's fun. You're always trying to get up the ladder individually. So we decided to write this book to share the stories of the U.S. Women's National Team, but also try to, you know, reach out to those corporations and organizations to say, hey, if you come together and you, you know, you have a foundation and you have these, some of these tactics, it could help you be more successful. So really, we're trying to connect the sports world with the business world and kind of use the things that work well here and see if it parallels and helps over in businesses as well and I think it's a, a good read I'm not overly businessy so when I read that part of the book I'm not falling asleep so that's a plus plus. <laughs> and then obviously I love the sports part so I think If you're one or the other, you can really connect with the book, and it it is a good read.
0: Yeah, I was having a chance to to read some of it earlier, and absolutely uh, interesting on both sides of it, your sports anecdotes and then the business side as well. And you talk about teamwork, and when I watch basketball, there's some things that are are obvious to me right away if a team has good chemistry, if there's good teamwork. One of them is just the number of high fives in practice, in layup lines, in the game, the number of high fives. If somebody falls down, how many of their teammates' hands are there on a whistle to help them back up? when you're watching soccer, which is a little bit different because mm-hmm. it's so, such continuous action, what are the things that you notice, whether it's at the highest level or at the youth level, that makes you say, this is a team that's you know yeah. really exhibiting good teamwork? Well,
2: it's, it's very similar. It's the high fives. It's the communication um, a lot on the field. If you can hear a kid, you can see body language, a huge thing. I'm teaching my kids about body language because this, doesn't seem like you're interested, you know. But this like I'm ready to go coach. So I think body language is a, a big thing and I'm so I'm so big on the high fives. There we go, right? So you're interested in what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but also, like we do the pats on the butt, or that was a big thing I used to do, um, and usually corner kicks and stuff. That's when you can see players kind of come together or free kicks. Um, but it's it is that stuff that makes a difference, and you can see the connection from the players on the bench, you know, cheering out for the team. And I'll share one story with you from this was the 2004 Olympics. We're playing um, Germany in the semifinals. And Julie Foudy, who is our captain, and a very passionate and outspoken uh, leader for us, she goes out because she hurts her ankle. And for her to go out, it was, it was bad. And prior to this game, when we were training, we would do these fitness tests where we had to do a 300 in like a minute. And you're just, you're dying out there. And our big message during our training leading up to that was, you, was, you look strong. So when we're training and practice running this, everyone's like, you look strong. And I'm like, well, I don't feel it. And like, you're so mad you hear that. So anyway, fast forward 2004 Olympics. Foudy's on the sideline. And I, have, I played left midfield. And I happen to be on the side where our bench was. And we're, we just went up the goal. Um, Mia just played a great ball to Heather O'Reilly. So we're up a goal. And there's probably like four minutes left, but it feels like it's like 20. And we're knocking the ball in are attacking in right around the side, and I hear a fowdy from the sideline. She's like, you look strong! And she's yelling her head up. And then when I was standing there, I was like, yes I do! Because <laughs> I finally, like, I needed to hear that. And I felt strong, we were, we were dominating the game, we were, we we're toying with Germany. And um, it, just, it just goes to show with your team, you know, she's our leader, she's off the field. The only thing she can do is yell um and those messages that we were training when you didn't feel that way and then you needed you needed that support it was felt and uh, it's one of my favorite stories I shared it with Julie she doesn't remember it and I shared it one time she's like I never heard that story I'm like I know you were awesome Jules so those are the kind of stuff that we love yeah sure um One of my last
0: questions, you know, talking about looking strong. That's one thing that I'm so proud about of the women in the WNBA, is the voice that they have and they're not afraid to share. Social justice issues, whatever it is, oftentimes the women in the WNBA are the first to speak. The women on the uh, World Cup team are not afraid to speak. Um, what were your thoughts uh, this, you know, this last World Cup team and and some of the things they were willing to say and the stances they were willing to take?
2: Well, I think, you know, they have this platform. I mean, winning helps get a message across. Winning gives you the platform. And I think um, the women have been pretty consistent with their message of what they're standing for with their equal pay shirts, you know, coming together um, and making a stand and not not backing down. And, And obviously... I don't know really what it's gonna take i mean they're winning they're dominating you know back-to-back world cups but i I love that they're sticking together because that's really where the message is gonna be heard. It's not just by Megan speaking here and then someone speaking over here, Alex saying something totally different because then that's not gonna work. They have a uni- unified message and that's where the strength is and strength in numbers. So I'm proud that they're keep standing up for what they believe in and hopefully you know, making a difference not only in showing that young girls, you need to be strong and stand for what you stand for, but also keep doing what you love because don't let anyone tell you that you can't, because we can do this, and we can do this together.
0: Well, thank you so much for the role that you've played for not only, you know, daughters like mine and like yours, but to be a strong woman in this environment for the last 20 plus years, and thank you for being here tonight, and for those who haven't yet gotten it, by Christine's book.
2: Thank you, and hey, let's give a hand to Rebecca here. She's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> love it. You've done such a great job. I mean, I love watching you play, but what you do, that's not an easy job, by the way. So you do awesome. Oh, well,
0: thank you. And a can for Sydney, because this has got to be way past her bedtime. It's, yeah.
2: She's falling asleep over Well here. done. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. We appreciate thank it. Thank you. So a big thank
0: you to Christine Lilly. You can find her on Twitter and at Instagram at Christine Lilly. And, uh, You can find Steve Russian at Steve Russian and in Minnesota and on all of your bookshelves because Knights in White Castle finally came out on August 20th.
2: It was a long labor, but the baby has been delivered. The baby is happy. uh, The father is happy. And uh, I want you to know that the baby is now for sale. So please go out and find it.
0: And on that note, Tom, Dick, and Hari play us out.
1: Six of us and the family pet live cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and driving is ambiguous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lake